Now, here's Jack Riccardi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know, I'm starting to get fan mail about the jingles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, people are people are starting to really like the jingles. Yes, that's good to hear. Um, and, and so what's going to be interesting is, um, are we going to keep them? Or are they only for the, you know, special anniversary period? That might have to be a J.R. Poll question. That, well... See, I don't like asking. I don't like asking a poll question that management can just override. Right. That, that bruises my ego when I go to them and I go, "Hey, look, the people have voted." And they're like, "Now we've already decided." So, um, so here we are. We're heading into um, Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to everybody! Uh, I hope you're going to have a great time and be able to celebrate. I hope your mom is around and in your life, and you're able to celebrate uh, this weekend. Uh, there's a school uh, in Connecticut. Greenwich, Connecticut, that got in trouble this week after announcing that they were renaming Mother's Day and Father's Day, which is coming up next month. They were renaming them, are you ready for this? Important Grown-Ups Day. Important Grown-Ups Day. The Glenville School getting all kinds of backlash and announcing later in the week they would revert to the current formulations, and this is what they call it currently. They don't just call it Mother's Day. They call it Mother's or Other Important Person Day. Father's or Other Important Person Day. They can't leave anything alone. You know, it's like a plague of locusts. They get in everything. They get on everything. There isn't anything in our lives these scutches cannot get their hands on somehow. Important grown-ups day. Boy, that has a warmth to it, doesn't it? <laughs> How would you like to buy those greeting cards? Um, they've decided in Austin to, um, and this is the first time any city in Texas has done it, They've decided to do guaranteed basic income. Now, guaranteed basic income is a thing in some European countries, and there's a handful of American cities, most famously Stockton, California, where they have these pilot programs. And so if you and your family qualify in terms of income and other things, the city gives you a guaranteed basic income. Not that you're limited to this, but it's like a a financial floor. And in Austin, they're going to have 85 families to start out with. They're going to give them $1,000 a month for a year. I know it sounds like Publishers Clearinghouse, only cheaper, right? But it's um, it's the city council voting to approve guaranteed basic income. The families can spend the money on rent, mortgage, food, cars, utilities. The goal, says the mayor of Austin, Steve Adler, is to prevent homelessness and he says it this way, it's not really a giveaway, because if we spend the money this way, we won't be spending it another way. We won't be, you know, rescuing people off the streets, or we won't have, be having to do other emergency aid. So we're going to do this, he says, to stabilize people. And in Stockton, California, when they did it in Stockton, California, they found uh, that people sort of got their lives, you know, balanced out and they, they were able to put a little money aside, and they weren't living paycheck to paycheck. Um, so, given the fact that anything that happens in Austin or California 
immediately catches the eye of the San Antonio City Council. You know that, right? I mean, <laughs> they that's that's what they're watching at City Council. What are they doing in California? What are they doing in the People's Republic? So do you think San Antonio should do guaranteed basic income is our question on the JR poll. And Adler says, look, uh, we're going to spend this money one way or the other. We're either going to give it to these people outright or we're going to wind up spending it in all the ways that we that the social safety net has to rescue and deal with and, you know, uh, come to the aid of people after the fact. Do you think this is a good idea? By the way, guaranteed basic income gets its name because in some European countries, it is much more widespread. The, The notion is nobody starts at zero. Okay, like you and I, we start at zero, right? If we don't, it, 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 until we start putting our lives together and figuring out, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, we have nothing. We earn nothing. What if you started with the thousand bucks a month, and then anything you did over and above that? That's their argument. I'm just presenting their argument. I want to know what you think. You probably can guess what I think, but I'm, but I, w- I want to hear what you think. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I was thinking today how sort of sad it is that we've had the week we've had leading up to Mother's Day. All this talk about abortion and um, all this recent insanity about birthing persons. We, We don't just need to take mom out to brunch and buy her a card. We need to tell her we're sorry. Because we have collectively as a society acted like we don't know what the hell motherhood is. Now, I, I grant you there may be people that didn't know their mother, never knew their mother, had a terrible mother. Maybe you had a mother that left you in a hot car or abandoned you outside a nightclub or something. But, I mean, for, for the balance of us, for most of us, we we know better, we were raised better. All of this politically correct woke talk is denial of the reality we know. And... There's two parts to Mother's Day, right? We're supposed to have a, a a time with our mom if she's still amongst us. We're also supposed to honor the institution of motherhood. And I would say on the uh, second part, we've done a crappy job of it this year. We're going to have to do a makeup next year. Mother's Day 2023 needs to be super extra, you know, Padded Landau roof deluxe because this has not been a good lead up to Mother's Day this year. You know, it's depressing. Uh, every news channel today had a story about the average cost of Mother's Day. We're spending, and they give some number, some dollar figure. This is how much the average American is spending on Mother's Day. Cause, you know, they, there's, they crunch the numbers and uh, so many people buy dinner and so many people buy flowers and so many people buy cards and, the costs of these things have gone up this year, and then they always add with a wink and a, and a chuckle that we spend more on Mother's Day than Father's Day. There was a great quote from the late P.J. O'Rourke, the, the uh, great political writer and, and humorist. P.J. O'Rourke once famously said, everybody wants to save the planet, but nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. And I'm pretty sure moms would love some help with the dishes, you know? Just in case you get to the store and they're out of roses, help her with the dishes. Just saying. 
Joy Behar on The View is floating the idea of a sex strike, given the likelihood that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, while uh, bloviating on The View this week, Behar suggested that in the past, women in other parts of the world have conducted sex strikes, like during the Liberian Civil War. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking the same thing, Joy. This week has really put me in mind of the Liberian Civil War. That's exactly where my mind went. No, but she says, and I'm sure somebody on her staff looked this up for her because she's not bright enough to know this, uh, that apparently women, um, in order to bring an end to the civil war in Liberia, withheld sex from the men. And it's happened in other places as well. Um, I would say this. Um, I, I am in favor of Joy Behar withholding sex. Let's see how that goes first. We'll go from there. I want to say kudos where kudos are due. Um, we've been saying all week, where is the denunciation of calls for violence against the Supreme Court justices and calls for disrupting their home lives? And Virginia Senator Mark Warner, who's a Democrat, uh, came out and said the right things. He was on um, one of the Fox shows and he said, uh, anyone in public life, whether you're a Supreme Court justice under threat, uh, anybody, uh, this kind of action is outrageous, either end of the political spectrum. Um, we not only need to protect our justices, he said, but people should not serve in public life and feel that outrageous extremists on either end of the political agenda have license to physically, verbally attack public officials. It is um, really striking Um what the White House is not saying about the threats against these justices. I, I want to just take a minute to, to, to break this down. They've asked President Biden, they've asked Press Secretary Saki, and they have a non-position position on this. The targeting of justices is not something they have full-throatedly condemned. And This is a moment, Jonathan Turley, the Georgetown law professor, writes, if neither the president nor the left can muster the courage to condemn such conduct, we have reached a tragic but familiar point in our politics. So I want to be clear, there isn't just a moral obligation here, which there is. It's the right thing to say. Don't do it. It's not right. We don't support it. That's not the answer. But there's also law behind this. Um, There's actual language in the U.S. Code. Uh, Quote, Whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. So, it isn't just an easy thing to say, it is the law. It is 
our moral collective, I guess you could say, standard. This is off limits. We don't do this. This is what third world countries, banana republics, do. And I don't know if this is because they really hate these judges. I'm I'm talking now about the White House. Or if they are just afraid of their own base. But either one of those explanations is pretty pretty grim. Either, Either they really hate these guys and gals. Or they are so afraid of the people who put them in office. That they dare not say, just pay lip service to the right and decent thing. And I didn't want to let that go by. Jack Riccardi at 210-599-5555. The question on the JR poll, should San Antonio provide guaranteed basic income? They're trying it in Austin, of course. Uh, how do you like that idea? Michael is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Michael, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think about guaranteed basic income? Hold on. Stand by one. Uh, I think it, it's a terrible idea. The uh, Stockton, California tried that. I'm originally mm-hmm. from California, and it bankrupted the city. Is that right? That all yeah, by itself bankrupted the city? It bankrupted the city. They lost firefighters. They lost policemen, first wow. responders. It bankrupted the city. So they must have done it with a lot of people, because Austin's only doing it with 85 uh, families to start, so it's a small program. So so, um, the argument they're making, uh, you sound kind of distracted, Michael. Do you need to go? Yeah, Yeah, Michael needs, okay, I'm going to let him go. Um, The argument they're making in Austin, and the argument they've made in other places, is this is not new spending, folks. We're going to... We're going to spend this money anyway. If we don't give it to them this way, we're going to wind up providing it in the form of other aid and urgent needs and, you know, even getting into like, well, this could, you know, this could reduce crime and this could uh, help families know where their kids are. And uh, do you buy that? Here's my problem with it. Here's my problem with it. Two things. One, um, when politicians give people money, they can they can tell us why they're doing it. They can give you any reason they want. But we know the reason politicians give away our money. It's to make themselves look better. It's to, it's to build people's dependence on them. But here's the other thing with guaranteed basic income that frustrates me. I, I, I'm not a hard-hearted person. I know that it's... It's difficult. I mean, prices are high. Inflation's out of control. Guaranteed basic income is like a um it's like cheating on the exam it's like looking up the answers in the back of the book for politicians the real challenge is why are prices so high what are you guys doing that is driving inflation we're not letting you off the hook by playing santa claus by by delivering checks and making you know photo ops and making yourself look good austin and san antonio both have a problem we're pricing people out of their homes we're taxing people out of their homes. We are pricing people out of, city, of of a city they've always lived in. I talk to people now who say to me, I, I've actually figured out, Jack, how many more years I have left in my house before at the, at the rate my appraisal is going up. I know that in such and such a year, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sell it. I can't afford to live in it anymore. I don't want to let these bastards off the hook. 
by saying, well, we helped you out. We gave you a $1,000 a month. No, you're, you are driving inflation. You are driving appraisals up. You've got to stop. We're holding your feet to the fire. You've got to do your job, not just give away our money. So, yes, I, I appreciate that people are hurting. I appreciate that it's hard to make ends meet. But this is the wrong answer. And, by the way, it's inflationary. Because when the government puts more money into the economy, the economy is like a sponge. It swells to absorb that money. So you don't, when you spend a dollar, when the government spends a dollar, it doesn't, it doesn't drive down the cost of something a dollar. That product, that, um, commodity just absorbs that dollar. That's what we were talking about the other day with, um, forgiving student loan debt. When the government keeps pumping money into higher education, higher education responds by absorbing the money like a sponge. Tuitions go up, more buildings get built, more administrators get hired. The easiest thing in the world for politicians is to promise to just take some money from over here and put it in your pocket. I, I know that sounds good when you need it, when you're, when you're struggling, but that's not the right thing to do here. And this isn't charity. They're giving away other people's money. They're not, they're not reaching into their own pockets. Even the, even the, the, the term is a little bit, um, misleading. Guaranteed basic income. Nothing that comes from the government is guaranteed. And it's not income. You didn't earn it. I mean, I guess what? Did you earn it by virtue of existing? People know income is, is, is what they get in return for the fruits of their labor, or it is the fruits of their labor. So I, I'm sorry, and I know it sounds like a hard-hearted idea, I mean a hard-hearted opinion. He just doesn't care about people. He probably is so rich he doesn't even know. Now, I, I, I do know, and I'm not rich, but this isn't the right thing to do. 210-599-5555. So guaranteed basic income on the JR poll. The um, silence of the White House and the Democrats on the threats against the Supreme Court justices, churches, and other groups. We've been talking about that a lot this week. I I think I mentioned this yesterday. There was a guy, and I'm not even going to mention his name because I don't want to make him any more famous or infamous than he already is. There was a guy that had uh, gone on a, a, a rant about how if, Abortion is murder that isn't miscarriage suicide. And apparently, I followed up on this, apparently he got a lot of blowback. And now he is positioning him. He took it down, and he patted himself on the back uh, voluptuously for taking it down, like like it showed what a, what a really great guy he is. That He had this thought. He put this thought on Twitter, but then he took it down. He's a terrific guy. Now his position is he's a victim because people are are uh, angry at him and somebody threatened him and and uh, you know all that and then he said um nobody you know nobody's ever invited me to a funeral for a miscarriage ha 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 and that struck a chord with me. I don't know if you've ever had a miscarriage or known anyone who did. You probably 
at the very least, you probably know someone who has. Um, but they do have funerals for miscarriages, and, and that's a real thing. Maybe no one's invited this dude because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy you'd seek comfort from in your time of grief. He doesn't seem like the most understanding person. But uh, that is, in fact, a very real thing. Um, couples that miscarry or moms that miscarry um, mourn and uh, often have a service for. And it, it, it is, I mean, he, he apparently has no idea that that is a very real thing for a lot of people. And no one on the pro-life side believes that miscarriage is the baby killing itself. That's, that's, how, how low do you have to go to come up with that? Or how hard do you have to be trying? And why would you think, to, to echo the question we asked yesterday, how is hurting people or insulting people that have lost children helping your argument? I just continue to marvel at that. I don't think they believe, uh, I, I don't think they really believe in anything. I'm not sure they're even trying at this point to um, entice or recruit more people to their point of view. They're just bleeding and blaring out how miserable they are. It's been a rough week. We've seen a side of some people that I think we would have preferred not to see and maybe would have preferred to not even know was there. And it's only just beginning. Because remember, this is the dress rehearsal. The Supreme Court hasn't done anything yet. Right here, we welcome back to the show on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, former uh, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense in the Bush 41 administration and uh, now a contributing editor at American, Expect, uh, American Spectator or Expectorant, whatever. Uh, Jed Babbitt is joining us. <laughs> Good afternoon to you. Welcome back. Well, thanks. Great to be here. So what are you hearing? Uh, I've been reading today, and it's sort of a story that's, we're not 100% sure about, but it looks like the Ukrainians may have uh, sunk another Russian warship, the Admiral Makarov. Yeah, I'm reading that, and uh, it's not confirmed as far as I know. There's apparently a couple of ships that uh, the Ukrainians have hit. They hit a frigate uh, the other day, and, you know, of course, they sank the Moskva, the right. battleship, uh, well, not the battleship, the cruiser that was the flagship of the uh, Black Sea Fleet about a couple of weeks ago. So they've had some pretty good success against that, but they're still really tearing up the Russian tanks and armored vehicles. Uh, the Javelin missiles we've been sending them have been working very, very well. So uh, they're doing very well, and, you know, it's it's a very tough fight. They're fighting very bravely and, you know, with some great determination. Uh, I just hope they last. Um, not to take anything away from them or, or their struggle, but what are we learning about the efficacy of the technology this is sort of like a right this is sort of like a manufacturer's demonstration of stuff that we have on the shelf right well yeah uh there's a lot of stuff that we have on the shelf and some things that we don't uh we capture actually the ukrainians captured and my information is they gave to us a, a big jamming pod uh something the size of a uh container on the on a, the rear of a tractor trailer uh that's used by the russians to jam signals radars etc cetera, etc cetera. uh and i suspect that's uh, <clears throat> somewhere in massachusetts right now being taken apart and studied so mm. uh, we're learning a lot uh you know obviously the russian military is not up to snuff 
Uh, you know, they've been thought of as 10 feet tall, and they're really about three feet tall at this point. Uh, they really have not been able to do anything that uh, they've tried to do. Well, you know, they've, they've caused a lot of casualties. They've bombed the cities. They've killed an awful lot of people, especially civilians. Uh, but other than the brutality they've shown, I don't, I don't see that they've proved a whole lot in terms of their skill or technology. You know, losing one ship might be a fluke, but if they are losing now a second, and these are among their most sophisticated surface fleet ships sure. inside of a month, yeah. um, that really is a statement. And I, I wonder, too, if it's maybe, it, would it be possibly entering into the thought processes of our own uh, planners? I mean, is this something with with advanced missile technology, drones, uh, are we seeing an evolution of, for example, the importance of surface ships and carriers and things like that? Well, I hope we are. I'm not sure that we're going to learn the lessons quickly enough. Uh, you know, it's one of the things that I've been worried about, and I've had a constant dialogue with my naval aviation buddies about the efficacy of a carrier anymore. And, you know, something like that, a carrier is, what, a 1,000 feet long, a Nimitz-class carrier. It's got about five to 6,000 people aboard. Uh, and it's trackable by satellites. It's one of the biggest targets in the world. Uh, so, you know, if we end up against the Chinese or something like that, I'm not sure we can use the carriers. You know, that's one of the things we have to consider. The other flip side of it, uh, you know, the Russians have never been very good at fighting shipboard fires. Uh, and apparently they're still not very good. And they were, well, like the Moskva, apparently they were keeping, they were storing missiles on the deck. And some of them got blown up when the ship was hit by a couple of missiles and they couldn't, they, they couldn't stop the fires. So, you know, the Russians have an awful lot to learn, too. But, uh, you know, one of those things we have to learn from and learn from their failures and from their successes, frankly. Uh, there was a Senate hearing the other day. I've been saving this to, for a chance to talk to you about it or ask you about it. There was a Senate hearing the other day with the uh, general in charge of Strategic Command, uh, Admiral uh, uh, Richard, not General, Admiral, he says that the uh, United States has a, uh, cr a, I guess you call it a deterrence crisis, uh, that what we're seeing in, in watching the war in Ukraine um, is that we have essentially a, a, a missile gap. He referred to low-yield, non-ballistic capability. Um, you know, part of me always thinks that there's that military industrial complex no matter what they have they need more of it or they need more they whatever they don't have is what they need but on the other hand clearly the whole deal with russia is nuclear blackmail right we're going to do this yep. because we're a nuclear power and you're not going to stop us we know china could pull that same card uh with taiwan so is he is he right when he says we we need some sort of answer for that and is there an answer for that well, he is right, at least partially. And, you know, I agree with you. The answer is never to just pour money on the Pentagon. Uh, the answer is really to figure out what we need. Back in the Reagan administration days, they had the process called defense guidance, and it would take the latest intelligence on the intentions and capabilities of our enemies and figure out what's in the toolbox. And to the extent we didn't have a match, uh, that we ended up buying more or changing things, you know, retiring things and so forth. Uh, to meet the new challenges. We haven't had that since the Reagan administration. It turned into the so-called quadrennial defense review, which was very politicized. Now we have the national defense strategy, which is really not very good in terms of analysis or determinations. 
Uh, so, yeah, he is right. There are things that we need to do to fix our deterrent force and because we need to be able to deter both the major uh, conventional attacks as well as the nuclear attacks. You know, there's a lot of talk, and, you know, we may see even some uh, some nuclear weapons being used in Ukraine by the Russians, especially now that uh, Putin is reportedly going to be put aside for a couple of days, weeks, months uh, by some cancer operation. And this guy, Petrushev, that's apparently been appointed uh, to replace him in the interim is very much a hardliner. And, you know, there would be an instability in Russia, uh, quite frankly, when Petrushev, if he takes power at any point, because his rivals are going to want to, you know, take him on and they may do things that, you know, would surprise us, you know, even to the extent of chemical or nuclear weapons being used in Ukraine. So there's a lot going on right now in Russia and in China uh, that we really need to plan for. And I think, you know, our deterrent has to evolve and it really hasn't evolved, you know, because we've got ICBMs and SLBMs, you know, sub-launch ballistic missiles and all of those things. We do not have a lot of aircraft that are capable of penetrating enemy radar. Uh, There's an awful lot of things that are going on. And I just wish we had a process. Uh, like the Reagan administration had for defense guidance to figure out what we really need, not what mm-hmm. we want, and to get what we need. Mm-hmm. So who do you listen to in that discussion? Because it seems like almost everybody in it has some kind of turf, right? Sure. Well, I really try not to listen to anybody. Uh, I try to read everything and you know hear everything from the people who know things, uh, but then I have to make my own judgment. You know, you really have to to some extent, listen to somebody like Admiral Richard, uh, the guy that was his predecessor, uh, John Hyten, Air Force General uh, John Hyten, was a simply brilliant guy, and he was saying many of the same things. So, you know, I really have to, at some point, trust in what they're saying, but, you know, it's like Reagan said, trust but verify. Mm. Jed Babin, I always appreciate the time. You have a good weekend. I hope we talk to you again soon. Thanks, pal. Look forward to it. All right. Read him in American Spectator. Or expectorant, which, if it isn't a magazine, should be. It needs to be a magazine about spitting. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Um, Oregon public schools will be required to provide feminine products along with instructions on how to use them in all boys' bathrooms next school year. It's part of the state's new Menstrual Dignity Act signed into law. Um, it is um, going to require, starting with the new school year this fall, that all restrooms, male, female, and other, in every public school building, um, will contain dispensers. They've, they've ordered them. They've ordered extra product uh, with um, feminine hygiene products in the boys' bathrooms. You've been in a boys' bathroom? You remember the boys' bathroom when you were in school? Those dispensers will not last a week. Just It's like they have money to set on fire. In fact, I'd rather they set the money on fire. would just be better, wouldn't it? The way they spend money on things, it would be better if they just lit it on fire. And <laughs> I know there'd be a carbon footprint, but I can live with that. 210-599-5555. Oh, um, 
Here's one of the best things you're ever going to hear this week about the uh, abortion debate. Uh, this is uh, Senator Maisie Hirano of Hawaii. She uh, was out there making her state. They're all, you know, they're all taking a turn before the microphones. I'm angry. I'm outraged. This was her rhetorical question about men and women and reproduction. Take a listen to this. Take it away, Maisie. I am just gobsmacked. I hardly know where to begin. But fundamentally, Republicans don't give a rip about women. They are more angry, incensed, and whatever words, oh, outrage by the leak than they are by the fact that women in this country are going to wake up one morning and realize they no longer control their own bodies. I share the sentiments of my colleagues standing here and all the people out there who are outraged by what the Supreme Court, well, the, the radical right-wing justices of the Supreme Court are about to do. So I ask the question, is there anything we can do to men that even comes close to forcing a woman to have a baby? I tweeted that out, and there are all kinds of really interesting reactions. <laughs> Go to that tweet, and you'll find out what's happening out there. But the yeah. damage that is being done. Yeah, there were some interesting reactions. She says, I can't think of a single comparable thing the government can do to men that even comes close to forcing a woman to have a baby. By the way, could we, could we maybe not put it quite that way? You know? They're making babies sound like tumors. And w the, the government's not forcing people Okay, and as we keep pointing out, there is a whole process here called the legislative process that would ensue in the event that the Supreme Court says we're not going to just declare by edict, by judicial edict, that abortion is a right. I hear people saying, oh, so backwards. No, it's actually forwards. Because this is empowering people. This is putting your voice back in the debate. You know, I would almost make this analogy. If the Supreme Court came out tomorrow and said, you know, the Second Amendment's been misunderstood. Uh, it really just applies to militias, and you can't have a gun. Dude, you're not a militia. No gun for you. You'd be outraged. You'd be sputtering and fuming. And the next thing you would do is you'd want to know, well, what can we do about this? What can our response be to this? And the response would be legislation, legislature, laws. So if you can't get it by court edict, by, by, by you know, uh, some sort of unfurled proclamation from the bench, then you get it and you debate it and you sort it out the democratic process, and that's what's going to happen here. But getting back to Maisie Hirono, um, first of all, I think one thing has already happened to men that's worse, and that is having to listen to her. But seriously, if she thought a little bit about this, um, and a lot of people reminded her on Twitter, uh, making us and us alone sign up for the military draft and fight your wars, says one guy. Another woman wrote to her, the draft, I have two daughters and a son, and only one of them has to register. It's not active now, but all of our sons are in the system. As for having, 
As, as for being forced to have a child, this isn't the 1970s. If you can't be pregnant, take advantage of myriad-free, widely available birth control options. Another guy wrote to her, selective service ma'am. She can't think of a thing government does to men. Good afternoon, and we're heading into important grown-ups day weekend. Important, I guess you'd say, um, non-male grown-ups day weekend. Is that what we're going to call it? Um, we're going to talk about uh, things mom used to say. Do you remember the thing your mom used to say later in this hour? Uh, I think every mom had like a go-to saying or blurt or threat. <laughs> Don't make me turn this car around. Don't make me come up those stairs or down them. Anyway, we're going to talk about some of those coming up later on in the hour. The Dish coming up after 6. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson has a new book out. and He's going to join us, and we're going to talk to him about what's going on these days in our crazy world, and he always makes some sense of it. So he's coming up here in about 10 minutes on KTSA. Uh, so just, you know, we've got everything you need right here, and you can join me right now at 210-599-5555. City of Austin is going to start a pilot program on guaranteed basic income. For a year, they're going to give 85 families $1,000 a month if they are facing extreme financial hardship. Pretty much if you live in Austin, you're facing extreme financial hardship. Hello? But see, the problem I have with this is not that I, I want to see people go hungry or be financially strapped. The problem I have with this is this is politicians buying their way out of the mess they've made. Well, we'll just send people some checks. It's a lot easier than wrestling with why are we pricing people out of their homes, their apartments? You know, the appraisal thing isn't just for homeowners. If you rent from somebody, that somebody has had an appraisal, and they're passing along that inflated appraisal to you, the renter. So we're pricing people out of the basics, a roof over their head food, gas to get to work. And there's just something about guaranteed basic income that feels to me like you got stuck in the crossword puzzle, so you looked at the answers. You know, it, it's easy to say, well, we'll just send them some money and uh, that'll hold them off for a while. doesn't solve anything. Why is it in this country that people, and I'm not talking about people that, that won't work or, or, you know, or laying around all day. Why is it that there are people in this country who are working and they still are not able to cover the basics or they're just barely covering it? You know, I, I'm actually interested in how many people live paycheck to paycheck. We don't talk about that very much. We don't, we don't have a term for that. If you live paycheck to paycheck, you're paying your bills, but you're, you're, it's skin of the teeth. And you're timing things. You're, you're rearranging bills in the order in which they're due. You're holding on to, you're holding on to each one to the last minute. You're having to do that. And the politicians have a hand in that. Inflation is a government symptom. A government, it's a symptom of government printing too much money and pumping money artificially into the economy. Housing prices, the appraisals, the taxes. So I, I don't want to see them buy their way out of their, their grief. And that's what I think this is. But you can tell me what you think. 210 
599-5555. Austin following in the footsteps of dozens of other cities around the country that have some version of this called guaranteed income or guaranteed basic income. Caller mentioned Stockton, California earlier. Uh, Stockton is the uh, probably one of the biggest programs uh, of its kind and one of the earliest. They started a few years ago. Um, they were doing 500 a month when they started. And uh, you had to be a certain age. You had to live in the city limits. You had to live in a neighborhood with a median income below a certain level. And uh, they believe that it kept people from crisis. And they believed that in the long run, it was money that would have been spent on other emergency aid, social services, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what they're pinning this on up in the People's Republic of Austin. Well, you know, we're, 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 this isn't a new spending program. This is just giving people the money up front rather than having to rescue them at the last minute dramatically later on. Do you buy that? What do you think? 210-599-5555. And um, I, I don't know. I th- There's something about this that reminds me of the forgive college loan debt discussion in that you start to look at something like this and you say, all right, well, the person getting the $1,000 is probably going to be very much for this program. I'm I'm in favor of this. But then there'll be somebody else who will say, I'm working. We're struggling. Why are we playing by the rules and somebody else is getting $1,000 of of taxpayer money. And again, programs like this deflect from the politicians their own role in how hard it is for people to keep a roof over their head and food on the table. If they can be seen as doing this, maybe we won't notice all the other things they do that raise the cost of living. This also enables them to say, hey, it's not even us, it's greedy people, it's other people, it's the private sector from whom they're taking this money. But we got to start getting straight with people about the appraisal piece of this. And I, I, I will include myself in the blame. Too often we talk about appraisals in terms of if you are a homeowner. There's a lot of people who rent. More all the time. Everywhere you look in this town, you see apartment complexes being built, right? Everywhere. So there's there's obviously a, a trend. And if you're renting, you are also uh, paying for higher appraisals, higher property taxes. We're taxing people out of their homes. And that's the same politicians that are now trying to hide behind this guaranteed basic income. And I don't think we should let them. And we welcome now... And it's an honor to have him, uh, author and commentator, former HUD secretary and presidential candidate, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, with a brand new book out uh, called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Ben Carson, welcome back. Good afternoon. Thank you. Good to be with you. I was thinking about uh, this today in, in anticipation of our of our chat and um, I'm from that generation, I guess called Generation X, where we were uh, 
raised with a very um, altruistic, idealistic idea about race. Um, we were raised to be colorblind. That was a virtue. Um, it felt like progress. And it seems like at some point in recent years, somebody decided that America had not made and was not making progress on relations between the races. And we've basically told my generation, forget about that. Forget what you were told. Forget how you were raised. All of that is invalid. Yeah, it is pretty uh, ridiculous what's going on. You know, in my lifetime, things have changed so dramatically on a racial basis. When I was a, a kid, it was a big deal when a black person came on television in a non-servile role. Everybody came in to watch. And now, within that same lifetime, you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and presidents of universities, including Ivy Leagues. We've elected a president twice uh, for the United States. We have a black vice president, heads of foundations. I mean, the list just goes on and on. How in the world could that be going on if we weren't making progress? If we were a systemically racist society where black people could not succeed. And then, of course, I point out in the book uh, that having a black skin is not a sentence for not achieving because there are people with black skins in this country who achieve at very high levels, like Nigerians and Ghanaians. There's no wealth gap with them. So... Why is that? Well, if you go and you examine those families, you'll see that in the Nigerian family, a bachelor's degree is the baseline. That's where you start. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of emphasis on family and family structure. Uh, and if you take American families, black American families who have those same values, there's no wealth gap either. So maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Mm. Isn't a big part of the problem with what you call the confusing present in the title of your book that we let people self-appoint as the spokesman or spokespeople for entire races and ethnic groups. Somebody came up with a new name for Hispanic Americans, Latinx, and it turns out that like 1% of, like of, of people favored it or used it. So, I mean, is, isn't that a big part of our problem? Rather than, than listening to one another and believing what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears, we let the spokesperson for the group Tell us how it is. Yes, that's a big part of the problem. And, and also, you know, when it comes to, you know, political correctness and, and wokeness, we spend a lot more time looking at how someone says something than what are they trying to say. So, you know, it makes it very hard to communicate when you're spending all your time trying to make sure you're not going to be offended by something <laughs> someone says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a real problem. You mentioned um, the notion of victimhood um, or that, that skin color sentences you to something. There seems to be a real pessimism in the way we talk about race now. Um, even the most energetic activists uh, don't sound like there's anything to look forward to except warfare and, and dissension and, and we've, we're just going to go through, we're going to go through a wall of flame. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing being said that would suggest, um, that children today will have a bright future. Well, there is, uh, one thing that's going on that actually is very encouraging as I travel around the country. 
I see that a lot of parents are now getting involved with the school boards mm-hmm. and with the city councils and <clears throat> getting involved with what their children are being taught because this has been going on for a long time, the indoctrination of our children. And it's been planned. That's exactly what Khrushchev meant 60 years ago when he said, your children's children will live under communism and we won't have to fire one shot because mm-hmm. he knew that they could gain control of their educational system and indoctrinate the kids, gain control of the media and parse out to the people what you want them to know and exclude what you didn't want them to know, replace faith in God with faith in government, and raise the national debt to astronomical levels so you could justify massive taxation, redistribution of wealth, and complete dependence on the government. You know, this is a long-time strategy that's going on here. It's working perfectly and we have got to identify it and make sure that our people understand what's going on and toward it because a house divided against itself cannot stand and what they're doing is using every wedge area that they can make it race make it age make it gender uh, mm-hmm. political affiliation it doesn't matter driving wedges between our populace making us think that we're enemies, which we completely are not. Do you want to see parents, you mentioned parents are getting involved, showing up to meetings, which is a great thing. Do you believe the the best strategy for parents is to fight from within or pull their kids out of public schools and homeschool them? I think you got to do both. Uh, you know, we, we shouldn't completely give up on the public school system. But I see a massive proliferation of homeschooling and private schools. And uh, I, I think that's fine. That's a very good idea because that's where the value should be taught. And at American Cornerstone, we actually uh, have, that's my think tank slash do tank, a program, K-5, through online learning program for children that's free of charge that tells them the real history of America, about our founding documents, about our founding principles, and it puts it in perspective. It doesn't, doesn't exclude anything. It doesn't, you know, exclude the warts that we have, but it puts mm-hmm. it in context. And when you look at it overall, you see that America's a pretty great place. And that's why all these people are trying to get in here. Why would they be forming caravans to get in here if it was a racist place? <laughs> it doesn't right. make any sense. No, it sure doesn't. The new book is Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, Hopeful Future, of race in America, Dr. Ben Carson. God bless you. Thank you for doing this, and thanks for coming on with us today. Thank you for being a patriot. Take care. All right. Um, We're going to update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. We've been asking you about uh, guaranteed basic income. That's our poll question, JR Poll. And Lydell is on KTSA, 210-599-5555. What do you think, Lydell? (laughs) Well, from the... uh... The uh, San Francisco of the Southwest, the progressives have turned have turned Austin into nothing but a welfare state yeah. and, or city. And in my opinion, that is nothing but a welfare check. They're going to spend a million dollars a year for 85 families, and I'm I, I'm just I'm just it, it, it astounds me. You know, like the appraisal district raised my my appraisal on my house by sixty thousand dollars this year. Mm-hmm. They they capped it. And I'm just going, like, when is it going to stop? And, and it's, it's to, the, to a certain point, you know, people are just fed up with everything. You know, I run a small business, 
my 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 P and L is going way out of whack because everything is 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 priced so high now. Fuel is just astronomical. Mm-hmm. So when are people going to you know rise up and just say enough is enough? And you know I just shake my head and you know my employees all want raises and and I said yeah we you know I'd love to give you raises but you know right now you know so it's, it's, uh, Austin's just wasting a million dollars in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I hear you. you. Know, it's just. It's just, you know, when, when, when does it stop? You know, but Ben Carson is phenomenal. That guy, man, he is just so laid back and just, yeah. uh, he's a great, yeah. it, it was no, great we, to we, have him we, on. Thank you. We love having him on. Thank you. And we love having you on, Liddell. Thank you. Thank you for the call. I think you made a lot of good points. I, I Where does it stop was Liddell's question. You know, I, I know there's a simple answer, a simplistic answer I could give you. Well, November. But it, it it's going to be many Novembers. And it's going to be over a long period of time. Don't think one election or one moment or one event or one race or one candidate is the answer. Uh, we're going to have to commit to this over a long period of time. You know, Dr. Carson says something uh, that that kind of perked uh, a memory for me when he mentioned Khrushchev. The, the, the exterior view of our country for many decades is that... Um, our greatest threat or our greatest enemy, if you will, was never going to be another country or another country's army or military or air force. It was going to be ideologies from within. I mean, from the founding, even at the time of the founding, they wrote about and talked amongst themselves about pernicious ideologies that would that would rot away at and eat away at the idea of a Republican form of government, lowercase r. And, and, and so Khrushchev was just the latest in a long line of people when he said what he said about how we'll defeat you from within. It won't take a war. It won't be the firing of a shot. So we have to recognize that there are forces and ideas so dangerous that they have to be opposed energetically and constantly like like you fight a war. You don't fight it from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, right? And um, if we take the long view, we have our best shot at saving this country. If we say, well, we've got to do it in the midterms, we've got to do it in the next election, or we've got to have this president or this candidate or win this race, that's the short view. They love when we think that way because they've been thinking long view for a long time, and they continue to. Anyway, just some... Thoughts about that. What was something your mom always used to say? My mom, and this was, I, I, I don't know that she would consider this her sim, you know, symbolic or signature saying, but I just remember her saying this so many times. If we were, if we were arguing with her or we were resisting doing something, you know, like being, dragging our, dragging our butts about doing something, my mom would say to us, is this really the hill you want to die on? <laughs> it's pretty dramatic, right? It's, the, it's like it's like something out of the Korean War, right? Is this really the hill you want to die on? Meaning, you sure you want to make a, an issue out of this? And, of course, the we would eventually come to our senses and realize, no, that was not the hill we wanted to die on. We didn't want to die on any hill. Uh, what's something your mom always used to say? 210-599-5555. Or jack at ktsa.com. If it's easier, you can email it to me. Um, 
Here's another one, and I think this is universal. I think all moms say this at one time or another. If you have more than one kid, you have to say, I don't care who started it, I'll finish it. Right? I don't care who started Because we had three boys and a girl. And there's something about three boys, two of them are always fighting. Right? I mean, always. And she would always have to, she was sitting there like Judge Judy, you know, trying to hear the dispute. She was, eventually she'd heard enough. She didn't want to gather any more evidence. (laughs) I don't care who started it. I'm going to finish it. Did your mom ever say, your face is going to freeze like that? I heard that one a lot. My mom told us one time that if we watched too much television, our eyeballs would, would be square. I know that sounds absurd, but that scared the hell out of me. I did not want square eyeballs. I don't know where she came up with that one. That, that might be a unique one. I don't know if I've ever heard that one before. A lot of these are probably ones that all moms or many moms say, and they learn it from their moms, right? 210-599-5555. So in honor of Mother's Day weekend, things mom used to say, like Mac has one for us on KTSA. Hi, Mac. Hey, Jack. Well, here's one. Uh, it's been a long time, but my mother always used to tell me, make sure you come back before dark. Yeah. Now, you know what? That's a great one. And I don't know if we have, we really have that one anymore because we're so overprotective yeah. of kids, right? Doesn't work anymore. Yeah. No, no. But I mean, you're right. We would be gone all day and on our bikes. And as long as we got home before dark or got home uh, by dinner, uh, or sometimes they'd say be home before the streetlights come on, right? Same thing, yep. Yep, there you go. Thank you, Mac. You have a good weekend. Thank you. Uh, things Mom used to say, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Mark is on the radio. Hi, Mark. Hey, Jack. Um, my mom used to say, come on, mijo, humor me. Now, whenever she would tell us, you know, I'll wear this uh, shirt or, you know, let's go to this family gathering, and we're like, oh, Mom, mm-hmm. come on, we don't want to. She'd be like, okay, come on, he'll humor me, humor me. Mm. Like, just, uh, you know, <laughs> come on and make me happy by coming with me or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Joe was nuts. I mean, it was so annoying when she would say that, but I'd give anything to hear it again, you know. <laughs> oh, man, I know exactly how you feel. That's that's a great one, Mark. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, my mom would always tell us, and I think, again, this is like multiple a multiple kid thing. She would always tell us, go to the bathroom before we leave. It didn't matter where we were going. And, you know, a lot of places you go, there is a bathroom. There's a bathroom at the store. I, it was years before I even knew there was a bathroom at the store. As kids, I think we thought the only bathroom there was was the one at our house. There's bathrooms everywhere. But she always wanted us to go to the bathroom before we left the house. You have to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. Everybody go to the bathroom. Before we leave the house, did you go to the bathroom? 210-599-5555. She'd also always check to see if we had been with a relative or, or received a gift like say it was our birthday, did you say thank you? And it used to uh, kind of embarrass us because um, we did say thank you, and it made us feel like we, you know, like she didn't believe us or something. But I, now as a, as a parent, I realize it's very important as a parent that you know your child has, you know, been polite, expressed gratitude. So now I know why she said those things. I, you know, these these things make sense now, right? But at the time when we were kids, we were like, "What? Where is this coming from?" 
210-599-5555. Steve's on the radio. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very well. This is Steve Atkins, ladies and gentlemen. Very nice to have you. I haven't heard from you in a long time. (laughs) Well, I take the opportunity when I can, and it's good to hear your voice always. I listen continuously. Oh, I appreciate that. But but see if see if uh, this would ring true today at all. But it was what she always said to me and my youngest sisters. No matter what was going on, a word to the wise is sufficient. Oh, words, stop! Yeah, I don't want to say it twice. Mm-hmm. A word to the wise is sufficient. I think the best mom sayings always have that little bit of mystery about them, like. You're not quite sure what it means, but you just you know what it's supposed to make you do. But it stopped everything. It stopped yeah. the dialogue or whatever activity was going on so that we could think about it. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great weekend, Steve. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you for calling us. Thank you, Jack. Great to hear you all. All right. Great Steve Atkins. Uh, we miss him from many a Friday afternoon. Uh, JL writes to Jack at KTSA.com. When we would ask... When we would ask, why are we doing something, mom would say, if I told you a fly could pull a plow, don't ask me how to hook them up. <laughs> I never heard that one before. If I told you a fly could pull a plow, don't ask me how to hook them up. Um, another one my mom had. This is when we would start to get on our nerves, you know, which I'm, we did a lot of. We were maybe like, again, dragging our heels about a chore or procrastinating. She would lower her voice, put a little bit of a quaver in it, and say, you know, I ask very little. And that just got you, that was like a knife in the heart. You know, I ask very little. Then you just wanted to do whatever it was, right? Moms can do I don't know if dads can pull that pull that string but moms can pull that string uh bart is on 550 and 107.1 ktsa hi bart hi jack how are you good how are you doing i'm doing fine um i don't know my folks are from uh we're from missouri and i don't know if that's a missouri thing or whatever but <laughs> when we were about to get in trouble my mom would look at us and say are you itching for licking huh <laughs> yep, I think there's I think there's a lot of variations of that, but that was your la- that was probably like your last warning, right? Yeah, that was our last warning, and then uh, we kind of uh, mind our manners after that. Yeah, yeah, and of course that was back in the day when you would actually get a licking. Oh yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't an idle threat, Bart. Thank you for the call. That's a good one. Uh, Jan is on KTSa as we head into Mother's Day weekend. Hi, Jan. Hey, how are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Doing wonderful. My mother had a couple phrases, but one that we always got was, make sure you put some clean underwear on in case you get in an accident. Yes. What was that all about? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) We should ask if any paramedics out there can tell us. uh, When when you have us on the stretcher, are you checking the underwear? (laughs) I don't know what she. I don't know. Yeah, I remember hearing that. You're right. You know, another one that changed over the years was when you would not eat or you wouldn't finish what was on your plate. They would always say they're starving children, but it was always some different country, right? 
Right. <laughs> Never the like, like way back, they'd say they're starving children in China. Then it was they're starving children in India. And then it became they're starving children in Ethiopia. And yeah. I don't know now, where are we, what, what country are we guilting our kids with now? I don't even know. I haven't kept up. But. Uh, me either. My mother would also say, what you do in the dark will surely come to light, girl. Mm. <laughs> she, sounds like a very, she sounds like a very wise woman. She was. Her name was Georgia. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Jan. Appreciate your call today. Um, and, of course, the best sayings Mom had, we're using them now, right? We always said we would never turn into our parents, but you do. Uh, yeah, Wendy says, Jack at KTSA.com, we were told to eat what was set before us. Um, I am, I am amazed when I hear people say today, and I'm not trying to give parenting advice, but when I hear people say today that, um, oh, my, my daughter doesn't eat this or that when we have it for dinner, so I make her something else. My mom cooked every night, but that was it. I mean, what we had on the table was it. You, and you could not get up even and make yourself something else. If you went up, if you got up and, and made yourself a peanut butter sandwich after she had made pork chops or meatloaf or something, it was like slapping her in the face. And you would get slapped in the face. Uh, what are some sayings mom had that you remember? You know, words of wisdom, words of warning. This is your last warning. Not that they have to be angry and threatening, but you know, some of them were. My mom was a very positive, happy lady, but you know, she had four kids. She was home with them all day. They were in the back of a station wagon for hours at a time. She had to, you know, she had to crack the whip once in a while. Um, so what do you remember mom saying? 210-599-5555. Donna's on KTSA. Hi, Donna. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. My mom had 10 kids, and she used to tell us, <sighs> wow. wait till your father gets home. <laughs> we were scared. That covers a lot, dad. doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. We were, my dad would come home. We were all scared to death. Uh-huh. Boy, she must have had a lot to tell him with 10 kids. He probably had to sit down and take notes. <laughs> no, he just snapped his finger and we all ran. There you go. All right, Donna, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, Joe is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Joe. Yes, uh, my mom had a, an unusual one. We were five boys and one girl, and she would say, to see the neighbor's house burn, you light yours. To see the neighbor's house burn, you light yours. What do you think that meant? You, the neighbor couldn't have a bigger fight than the one you were going to start. So, oh, I okay, I see. They, they, right. they led themselves with figurative speech. Yeah, they sure did. Whatever they said, it worked, right? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. You have a good weekend, sir. Kirk is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Kirk. Hey, Jack, good evening. It's a great call, uh, topic, um, as always. Um, I was like, ah, there's no way I'm going to be able to get through because everybody's thinking about their mom this weekend. So uh, for me, uh, my mom, fortunately, she's still with me, with us, my sister and my brother. Uh, when she would, and she was, it was always tongue-in-cheek. She meant well. She never laid hands, anything like that. But if I disappointed her, she would say, let me know when Kurt comes back. Let me, and I, oh. at 8, 10, 12, 15 years old, when I heard my mom say that, like, yeah. let me know when the, when, when the real Kurt comes back around. I just felt oh, so wow. guilty. Like, wow, I, yeah. I so disappointed her. You know, it just, that uh, is a yeah. great one. That is a great, yeah. uh, but there's yeah. somebody out there right now writing that down. Like, I'm going to start using that on my kids. 
Uh, it was that's, that's uh, very good. Uh, and uh, the message was received. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank good, you, Kirk. I appreciate the kind words, and I appreciate your sharing that with us. Yeah, and happy Mother's Day to your mom. That reminds me, by the way, of something I was going to tell you about. Um, when I started out in radio, and I was just a kid, I was 17, 18. Um, you know, you in this business, you can really reinvent yourself. And... In person, I was a very introverted, shy guy. But on the radio, I I could be outrageous, profane, uh, suggestive, kind of, you know. And I always imagined when I would crack open the microphone, could I face my mom hearing me say this? Kind of goes to what Kirk was just saying. I, that was kind of like my test. I didn't, I didn't ask it out loud. I didn't write myself a note. I just, it sort of was like a filter that I ran things through. I'm going to tell this joke. I'm going to crack this one liner. I'm going to say this double entendre. I'm going to say something about this suggestive song lyric. I'm going to get flirty with this lady on the phone. Is this something that I would be okay with if my mom tuned in? Would I be okay with her hearing me in this light, in this way? And I don't know. I mean, there's FCC rules, there's station guidelines, but that was my, like, that was my, I guess you would say, my, like, my supreme <laughs> law that I, I, I went by and uh, hopefully lived up to uh, most of the time. In fact, at one point, she, she was listening when I was still in Boston and I was on a music station. She was listening sometimes and she really didn't have much to say about what I was saying. But she always amused me by mishearing the song lyrics. I, it never failed. She would ask about some song we were playing, and I could never, at first I could never figure out what song is she talking about until eventually I would put it together. Like we just played Freeze Frame by Jay Giles Band as bump music, Don. You just played it a few minutes ago. She, she was sure that was a song called Grease Paint, which I don't know why that would be a song, but anyway, love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day to the moms. All right, well, when it comes to San Antonio restaurants, you are the Supreme Court. You get to decide. I want to hear your judgment. I want to hear your verdict. That's what we do in the last hour of the last show of the week every week, our 6 o'clock hour on Friday. We call this hour The Dish. And it's your chance to talk about your most recent restaurant experience. That could have been dining in, delivery, taking it to go, driving through. It can be any kind of restaurant, so anything from fast food to fine dining and all the stuff in between. It can be in or around San Antonio. You may just be coming back from a dinner today, right now, or you may have had lunch today, or maybe it was sometime this past week. But I want to hear about that restaurant. I want to hear about the food, the price, the service. You can praise or zing. I am angry. We are not going back. (laughs) She's angry. She's not going back to the restaurant. All right. Praise or zing at 210. I knew that was coming. 210-599-5555. 
210-599-5555. Praise or zing any restaurant in or around San Antonio on the dish. You can also email me if it's easier for you to do that. Jack at KTSA.com. And if you send me your praise or zing by email, I'll read it on the air in the voice that I imagine you would have. No, I'm just kidding. So along the way, we'll also uh, gather up remaining votes in the JR poll, and we'll have results for the poll question coming up right before uh, 7 o'clock tonight. It's an interesting story today um, in the uh, war on drugs. Uh, have you ever heard of Nespresso brand coffee, Nespresso? There's a Nespresso factory in Switzerland. This week, police discovered more than 500 kilos of cocaine in a shipment of coffee beans from Brazil. Nespresso employees immediately called police upon discovering the cocaine in with the coffee. It was very high purity, and it was estimated to have a street value of over $50 million. The company says the cocaine did not come into contact with any of the coffee production, but just to be on the safe side, if I were you, I'd probably get some Nespresso, you know, just saying. A little dragging a little bit on Monday morning, you know. A couple of that cocaine coffee might be just the th- I'm just saying, you know, I'm just, just, just throwing that out there. 210-599-5555. All of us who grew up in the 80s, and watched Beverly Hills Cop know that coffee grounds are used to disguise cocaine and keep drug-sniffing dogs from smelling it. We learned that from Beverly Hills Cop, so it must be true. I don't know if that's why the cocaine was in there or not, but somebody in Switzerland didn't get their cocaine. Anyway, 210-599-5555, praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. And we're talking restaurants. Um... It's going to be a very busy weekend for restaurants, obviously, with Mother's Day. I think I think much more so than Father's Day, right? Like, this is definitely definitely a, a, one of the probably top three things people do is take mom out for breakfast, brunch, lunch, what have you. And um, I know people in the restaurant business always say this, so I'll just pass it along. If you can find a way... <laughs> To, to take your mom out like tonight or tomorrow, they would really love that and you will be happy you did. So to beat that insanity that every restaurant, that waiting list, that crowd in the parking lot that everybody will have on Sunday, you know, celebrate tonight or celebrate tomorrow if you can, if you can do that. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants. On the dish, there's a new, uh, I don't know if you saw this in the news, they did a um, an experiment in the UK where they had 154 people randomly, um, well, they, they, they asked people to do it, so they invited random people, and they got 154 people of all ages, from teens to seniors, to stop using social media for one week. And then they uh, sort of, you know, studied them, surveyed them in terms of how it affected their mental and physical health. 
So they took a one-week social media break, which is, of course, if you're a conservative on Twitter, that's very easy to, very easy to do. But anyway, um, the participants were spending an average of 18 hours a week on social media. At the end of the week break, scientists noted significant improvements in well-being, depression, anxiety. I mean, the list goes on and on. Stress eating, mood, temperament. Not that people didn't go right back to it, because I'm sure they all did, but it kind of tells you something, doesn't it? I mean, we, uh, we're not giving it up, but when we do... Seems to benefit us. All right, we're talking restaurants on the dish, 210-599-5555. Any kind of uh, food, any kind of price. And Liz is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Happy Friday, Liz. Happy Friday to you as well. What have you got for us? I have uh, uh, that I recommend is on South Florida Street called Hash Vegan Eats. Even if you're not a vegan, the food is really good. Their chili cheese hash is just comfort food in a bowl. And if you don't drink alcohol, is it, it's San Antonio's first ever dry bar, which means everything is non-alcoholic. You can have margaritas, a beer, or whatever you want and not have to worry about the drive home. Oh, okay. They really do care about their community, and if you follow them mm-hmm. on Instagram, they have all sorts of events that uh, go on throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So I'd never heard of that term dry bar. That's interesting. Um, so just non-alcoholic versions of the things you would get at a regular bar. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, oh. your mixed drinks, your your beer stouts, so uh, and um they even do uh C B D or Delta Aid if you want to have that with your tea. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking here at their menu. They've got quite a lot of things uh, to choose from, a lot of different things on the menu, and it looks pretty the pictures look pretty inviting. Oh, it's it's seriously good. I've been there a number of times. I'm not vegan myself, uh, but right. the food keeps me coming. There you go. So it looks like it's 5,007 South Flores. Does that sound right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Liz. I appreciate the call. I hope you have a good weekend. And that's our first call on the dish for Hash Vegan Eats. H-A-S-H. Hash Vegan Eats, 5,007 South Flores. Um, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian either, but I, I've had I've gone to places. I've gone to Earth Burger. I've gone to Adelante when that was open and other places that, yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff in those menus. 210-599-5555. Why should the vegans have all the fun? Said no one ever. <laughs> and James is on the radio. Hi, James. Happy Friday. How you doing, sir? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, my best experience has been with the Aspen Creek Grill on 1604 and Bandera Road. Oh, yeah. I, I had a, I had a, the, the, the ribeye was perfectly cut. That twelve ounce ribeye was perfectly cut. I had green beans and uh, broccoli. It was like twenty two bucks, you know. Nice. It was absolutely delicious. Aspen Creek Grill. Yeah. No, oh, that's a. We've got a lot of calls in that place. Yeah, we've got a lot of calls in that place over the years. Um, it's eleven seven nineteen Bandera Road, just inside sixteen oh four. Right. Yes. There it is. All right. Good job, James. Thank you, James. Say that again. Have you ate there yourself? I haven't been there yet, no. You're missing out. You should go. I, I need to get that ribeye now that you've said it. You put the you put the, the, the idea in my head. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about it now. So yeah, there you go. You one, got, of the, one of the best ones I've had. 
All right, I'm going to do that. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. I've got a there's a ribeye with my name on it at Aspen Creek Grill. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, eleven seven nineteen Bandera Road. It's funny he asked if I had been there because I, I'll talk to people sometimes outside the radio show, and uh, if the dish comes up, I can't tell you how many people have asked me this, and I'm not I'm not making fun of people. I know I know why you would think this, but people will ask me all the time, straight face. Now, do you eat at all of the places that are talked about on the dish? Like, man, I, I wish I could. I would love to. No, I have not been to. I haven't been to most of them. We, I mean, we've got hundreds and hundreds of them in the, in the big book, from over the years. And I, I have tried many, but not, not all of them. No, I, it is a goal, but I haven't gotten there yet. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. But I want to hear where you've been and what you've had and what was good and what she what should we order when we go? So if you're recommending a place, definitely. What's the best thing there? Or the, if if there's something that you should definitely order the first time you go, like it's their best thing or their signature thing, what is that? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five on the dish. We were talking about things that uh, your mom used to say. Uh, Jerry wrote to me, Jack at KTSA.com. He said, when we, when we were about to get a whoopin', that's how he wrote it, whoopin', not whooping, whoopin', apostrophe. When we were about to get a whoopin', we'd run out of the house, and she would yell, you'll have to come home sometime. <laughs> I love that. Man, that is badass, right? You, you can run now. But you'll have to come home sometime. That is a good one. And he said, we we knew what was coming. All right. We love you, Mom. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish. And JR is next on KTSA. Hi, JR. How you doing, sir? Let me check. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So what's up? Uh, I was calling. I was calling about Grumpy's Mexican Cafe. Mm-hmm. It's at uh, eighteen eight seventeen FM twenty two fifty two. It is outstanding. Uh, I, I first discovered it maybe a month ago, and I've been there every weekend since. Wow! What do you like to get there? Uh, I like the chicken fried steak and egg, and. Uh, it's kind of an understatement to say chicken fried steak and eggs because this is a huge piece of chicken fried steak. Uh, they give it to you sideways on the plate because if they would give it to you regular, <laughs> it would take up the whole plate. So big, it has to be put on the plate sideways. I love that. Correct. Yeah, that place has been up there a long time, um, and uh, we've had a lot of calls about it over the years. A lot of people like the carne gasada. Have you had that yet? Uh, I have not. I'm slowly making my way through the menu. There you go. Well, if you try that, let me know what you think. Yes, sir. All right. And I appreciate your call. You have a good weekend, and thank you for calling our show, JR. Praise for Grumpy's Mexican Cafe, 18817, so 18817, FM 2252, up in Bracken. On the dish, 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants anywhere in or around San Antonio. A couple of weeks ago, a guy called about one in Corpus. We'll, I think we'll go as far as Corpus. I think we can do that.
I mean, I, I, I guess I can do anything I want, but that's probably our limit, right? Um, so we're talking restaurants. We've got your votes coming in on the JR poll. You know what story I really liked this week? Did you hear about this story? It made the national news. Um, I think this lady was like a, um, like an interior decorator or an antiquer or something. Anyway, she found a, um, and bought kind of a dirty looking old marble bust at the Goodwill store in Austin. And this was a few years ago. She bought it because this is what she does. She buys antiques or antique-looking things and hooks other people up with them, and it looked cool to her. It looked interesting. I mean, there's people like that. They, If they see anything that catches their eye, they buy it because they're either going to sell it to somebody, give it to somebody, use it in some way. So anyway, she she knew the thing was old. She Googled, did like Google image search, and she found a picture that looked a lot like her bust. The bust she bought at Goodwill, not her bust. Um, and it was uh, a 2,000-year-old Roman artifact. And it had this incredible story. So if you've seen her on the news, she's been on, I think she was on the Today Show and you know all the different morning shows. But she got... Uh, hooked up with some professors at UT and some other experts in the San Antonio Museum of Art. Anyway, the thing dates back to uh, it was in a German museum that was bombed during World War II. And, you know, if you've seen the movie Monument Men or you know anything about the the uh, Allied troops going through Germany, a whole lot of artifacts and collectibles and different things, they they either got lost or found their way to the United States, to Britain, to France, to Russia. So anyway, they think that this thing probably had been in that museum. The city in which it was located was bombed to the, you know, to dust and it went missing. And somehow uh maybe somebody picked it up or thought it was uh, you know, a souvenir and it, it somehow made its way back to the United States, made its way back to Texas, then made its way to Goodwill. So she's had it for a while, and um, they gave it a name. (laughs) Her husband named it, and they had it in their living room. Anyway, now it's going to be uh, displayed. um, I guess it's going to be at the San Antonio Museum of Art for a while, and then eventually it's going to go back uh, to Germany. So, All of that is to say that if you go to a garage sale this weekend, you really should keep your eyes peeled. You never know, right? Or Goodwill or thrift store. Just saying. Never know. Good for her, though. Imagine without Google Image, that thing would probably still be, you know, on her coffee table somewhere. Hey, I just checked, and Joy Behar is still on her sex strike, so men of America, we're just going to have to keep a stiff upper lip, ride this out, one more kink in the supply chain. (laughs)
<laughs> yeah, she says she says women should go on a sex strike over this uh, Roe v. Wade thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, 210-599-5555. This half hour, the results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll about GBI. Should San Antonio have guaranteed basic income? They're trying it in Austin. We'll see what you uh, had to say about that. We've been talking about Mother's Day and things moms say. And we're talking restaurants. That's our main thing here. Taking your calls to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience, whatever that might be. Boy, there was a weird story I saw. Um, There's been some really uh, violent uh, weather this past week in the middle part of our country. And this was a story about uh, a storm that uh, was moving through near Oklahoma City, and a bolt of lightning struck an apartment complex, went through the roof, made a beeline for the toilet, and exploded, shattered, disintegrated the the toilet in this apartment. So lightning came down like it was on a mission decimated the toilet. How would you feel if that was your apartment? First of all, the minute your toilet is destroyed, you feel like you have to go. Isn't that always the way? No, but seriously. It almost seems like a sign, doesn't it? What is God trying to tell me? He took out the toilet. I mean, granted, there was a lot of damage to the building itself, but weird that it just came right down specifically on that toilet, just saying. Um, There was also a uh, Best Western Hotel that had five uh, lightning strikes on it within a few minutes. And they say the probability of one building getting hit repeatedly is very, very low. It makes you wonder what's what's going on at the Best Western. Like the No-Tell Motel or something. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish, taking your calls on that. Now, you know that um, Mother's Day is Sunday, or as they want to call it in one school district, uh, Important Grown-Ups Day. Uh, today is also National Military Spouse Day, which is nice. And National Nurses Day is today. See, these, these all seem like they ought to have their own day. They're all sharing today. National Military Spouse Day, National Nurses Day. And it said on the calendar today, and I had to look this one up. I had not heard of it before. School Lunch Hero Day. School Lunch Hero Day. And I looked it up, and it's to honor the men and women who work in school cafeterias, the lunchroom people. They still call them lunchrooms? I don't know. That's what we called it. I, I go so far back, they only had lunch. Now I guess they have breakfast and lunch, but... Um, yeah, so the in my day it was the ladies in the hairnets. They had yellow uniforms and hairnets, and uh, they were all ladies, I think. And uh, at my high school, one of the ways you could walk in was through the cafeteria, because the cafeteria was on the ground level. You could come into the building through several different entrances. Simpler time, I know, but one of the ways if you walked to school, and we walked schools you could walk through the cafeteria go up a staircase and you'd be into the main part of the building 
And um, I'd go through there in the morning, and they'd be yelling and banging pots and pans. And So I didn't know they had their own day. Every, everybody, I guess, has their own day. You just The trick is knowing when that day is. You, you probably have your own day, but do you know when it is? Got to know. Maybe, maybe you've missed it. If, hopefully it's coming up next year. Hopefully you're coming up next year. Stay off that toilet in Oklahoma. 210-599-5555. So we were talking about moms, and um, there's so many great sayings about motherhood. I was looking these up today. George Washington said, All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Abraham Lincoln, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother, he said. Um, Booker T. Washington, if I have done anything in life worth attention, I feel sure that I inherited the disposition from my mother. Everybody has a saying about mothers. Uh, George Eliot, life began with waking up and loving my mother's face. It's nice. It's a good one, uh, Barbara Kinsolver. Kids don't stay with you if you do it right. Motherhood is the one job where the better you are, the more surely you won't be needed in the long run. Hmm. If you raise them right, they fly the nest. If you don't, they're still in the nest. My daughter is at that age where I I can see, you know, the empty nest, and I don't I I really don't want it to to be empty. It's a conflict. Part of me would love for her to just not leave, but part of me knows that the other part of me knows that that they got to leave. They have to leave. I told my mom this recently because I moved away from home. Uh, I lived at home till I was in my like early twenties, and. Uh, when I moved, I moved far away, not just like to my own place. But when I moved, I thought that they were happy. They acted happy, that my mom and dad acted very positive and, uh, you know, expressed both on their face and in their words nothing but confidence and optimism. Um, I was moving to another state. I was taking this job. I was, be, I wouldn't be, I'd be far away from all of my family. I was living in a place I didn't know anybody. And um, I had no idea, because I was young and stupid, that this was really hard for them. And uh, only now, as a parent, do, you, do I begin to realize how they felt about that and at that time. And I, I said this to her, and she said, oh, yeah, we were, we were really keeping a brave face. We were very worried. We were very sad. Uh, we had a lot of mixed emotions. Um, but that's, you know, that's the kind of thing you, so as frustrating as our kids are or mysterious as they are, I guess what I'm trying to say is they really cannot understand what we're going through till they go through it. Maybe not even then, but certainly not until then. Mitch Album, the uh, author, I realize when you look at your mother, you are looking at the purest love you will ever know. Oliver Wendell Holmes, youth fades, droop, a love droops, the leaves of friendship fall, a mother's secret hope outlives them all. Mark Twain, my mother had a slender, small body, but a large heart. 
a heart so large that everybody's joys found welcome in it and hospitable accommodation. Maya Angelou, to describe my mother, would be to write about a hurricane and its perfect power or the climbing and falling colors of a rainbow. Milton Berle. (laughs) You know, Maya Angelou, Milton Berle, you know. Milton Berle said, if evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? It's a good point. Got to give it to them. James Joyce, whatever else is unsure in this stinking dunghill of a world, a mother's love is not. This was one of my favorites. I thought this was really good. Sophia Loren said, when you're a mother, you are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. It's pretty profound. Sophia Loren. And P.J. O'Rourke, the great political writer and humorist we lost recently, said, um, everybody wants to save the earth. Nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. So Maybe this weekend, don't worry about saving the planet. Get in there and help mom with the dishes. Uh, David is on the dish at 210-599-5555 on KTSA. David, good evening. Happy Friday. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Oh, couldn't be better. So I've got, actually, I've got the restaurant and what my mother used to say. So the restaurant I'm uh, calling about today is Pat's Place in New Braunfels. It's great. Oh, okay. Yeah, Where in New Braunfels is that? No, I have not. Uh, it's right by right by Schlitterbahn. It's been there 45 years. It's a mom and pop. Everything from the enchiladas to the burgers, they're just, it's just been, I mean, obviously it's been there forever, so it's it's just great. What's your favorite thing to get there? Uh, actually, the enchiladas are pretty darn good. Oh, okay. So try the, the enchiladas. Yeah. Looks it's, like it's uh looks like it's got some limited hours. I'm looking here on the website. It says that it's open um, eleven to three every day except Sunday, and then on Friday it's open till seven. Does that sound right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, it's really just a lunch place, mainly, right? Yeah. It's, it used to be open before COVID a lot. Right. And they're having, you know, this. In New Braunfels, is, every restaurant's limited on the hours right struggling, now. Struggling, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm going to try the enchiladas when I go there on your recommendation. And what is it your mom okay. used to say? Oh, if you keep tisking. Remember the tisk? Uh-huh. I don't want to do this. We're going to go to the library. Wow. And, that was yeah, her threat, the library? Oh, we hated the library. It, <laughs> you had to be quiet, and it was terrible. What the, hell, what the heck do Man. I want to do in the library? That's, uh, I mean, that, that, that's, I've never thought of the library as a torture chamber, but all right. So she oh, would threaten you. Now, did she, ever, did she ever carry that out? Did she actually make you go to the library? Oh, you're darn right she did. Wow. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go, moms and dads. There's a new one you can try on your kids. Threaten them with the library. You have to be quiet. Right. That's right. That can be, <laughs> that can be torture for kids. Thank you. Thank you, David. You have a good weekend. Great call. Thank you. Praise for Pat's Place, 202 South Union Avenue in New Braunfels. Pat's Place. All right.
thank God it's Okay. We have more power than we think we have, and some of it could be right in the bedroom. Just saying. A sex strike. And what a perfect that can be quite method effective. and weapon for the exact topic we're the, talking the, about. The Mm. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a good. That seems like a good approach. Um, I think it's safe to say that if Joy Behar withholds sex, absolutely nothing will change. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I could tell you. Should I do it? I don't know if I should do it. I could tell you a Joy Behar story or two. We actually cross paths career-wise. I'll save that for another day. I don't think we, I don't think we have time to get into that now. So um, I asked the question: Is there anything we can do to men <laughs> that even comes close to forcing a woman to have a baby? Yeah, you're doing it now. Keep talking. You're doing it. I'm feeling the pain. On the JR poll tonight, powered by Stevens Roofing, should San Antonio provide guaranteed basic income? They're going to try it in Austin. Give it a pilot program for a year. Uh, should it come here? Should there be GBI in SA? 92% said no. 8% said yes. And we'll talk more about it next week. And, uh, of course, uh, get back on the air live Monday at 4, but you can find our show anytime, all the time, on demand at KTSA.com. Uh, we were talking about things moms say or said. Now, I don't know. This would only, I think, apply if you lived in a uh, two-story house. We lived in a two-story house growing up. And my mom had this fixation with, if you were going upstairs, you you never went upstairs empty-handed. Because there was always something that needed to be carried upstairs. There was a basket of folded laundry towels, something that needed to get upstairs. And she'd put them sometimes right in the stairway, like you couldn't. And we, like kids, like, you know, kids would do, we'd, we'd walk around them. And she knew. I mean, she could see around corners and through walls. And we'd step foot on one wooden stair. And she'd be like, don't go upstairs empty-handed. Take something upstairs. With you. We could not go up the stairs without carrying something. There was always something. Same thing coming down. Don't come down those stairs empty-handed. There's always something. I don't know how we did it, but we managed to get it up and down stairs. But, uh, yeah, so many great um, sayings. And I like the fact when people were calling them in, some of them were kind of guilt sayings. Some of them were kind of angry, you know. Wait till your father comes home. Don't make me turn this car around. Some of them were kind of tender. The library one kind of threw me because we actually, as kids, we actually kind of liked going to the library. But uh, that is, if you were kind of noisy, yeah, that would be a a quick, neat way to quiet you down. I think what my mom liked about taking us to the library was, you know, we didn't have uh, we didn't have air conditioning, so it was an air conditioned place. We'd go, we'd pick out a bunch of books, check them out, go home. This is when we were little, you know go home, and she used to say that was the quietest time of the summer when you all had your books. And I thought that was a pretty smart thing to do. And you could still do that today. That's one of those things you could still probably do today. Nowadays, if kids are quiet, they're probably on their phones. But 
We were quiet with, uh, you know, with Dr. Seuss. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful um, Mother's Day. If you are a mom, I hope that your mom is still around to uh, spend time with. Remember, forget about saving the planet. Help her do the dishes. And then we'll see you back here come Monday at 4 on 550 and 1071 KTSA.